0: You want to get in on the action we want to hear from you email us at fade route mail at gmail.com with your questions comments picks segment suggestions you name it we want to hear from you we're on instagram too slide in our dms at fade route podcast get at us
1: today. Hey, let's dominate
0: today. Let's dominate today. All day. Hey, right here. Bring it up. Hey, this group here is going to be why we win right here. All right. Let's play our best. We've been putting in the tank. You know what I'm saying? Let's get something. Let's pull something out today. Hey, from the get-go, dominate. Don't
1: give him a chance. Set the
2: tempo early, baby. Know what I'm saying? Hey, let's all go play our best, huh? We'll have some fun We'll be up on these boys, huh? Your boy's coming for you
1: early
0: and off. see <laughs> Welcome to The Fade Route with D and Z. Here are your hosts, D and Z. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of The Fade Route with D and Z. I am Z and we are only a few short days away from the big game. The Super Bowl between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are hosting the first time in history that a home team is hosting the Super Bowl, taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. And there will be fans in the stadium. 25,000 total and 30,000 cutouts. So it's going to be good to see just fan reactions. And, you know, it wasn't 100% that this was going to go down, but it is going down now. And, you know, I am thankful that we're going to get to see fans in the stands. And one person who I think doesn't share that, at least maybe not right now, is LeBron James after his altercation with, a couple of fans against the Hawks in Atlanta where kind of got into a little bit of a spat with the husband of the wife that made a big time impression on most people and was a splash all over social media. She has since come out and apologized saying that, you know, emotions got the best of her and her husband, that they're, they're just passionate sports fans. And, you know, it it just got, it it just got to be too much. Well, I don't know. Are we really glad that there are fans back in the stands? Mm. And here he is. I've known this guy since our days on Carousel Shoes, flight crew through and through the last QB in St. John's history. What's up, D? How's it going, man?
2: Hey, man. Well, that's what LeBron James said, right? He said it was great to have fans back in the stands. But let me just say this. I mean, she had a premium ticket, okay? So I believe those tickets go for almost $1,000 a pop. So you know what if she wants to chat but then again lebron james also said like that's part of the game like he gets in spats with fans all the time but obviously you add alcohol in it and mm-hmm. it just becomes a whole problem and i i really thought lebron james handle it like such a professional because he was like you know I, I i didn't agree with her getting kicked out but she did take her she did pull down her mask and with the new rules she had to go but um he handled, I mean, from what I heard, there was a lot of profanity being spewed out. And it's just like, she's coming to the rescue of her husband, telling <laughs> telling Broadway that right. the curse of her husband is just like, what? Uh, you know, it's, you gotta, hey, listen, you pay that much money to sit down there. I'm not saying you can uh, mouth off to the point where you get kicked out, but, you know, she got, her, let's say she got her money's worth.
0: Well, I'm sure she got her mo. Oh, she certainly got her money's worth. Maybe not for the drink that she had to leave behind. Oh, Jesus! Uh, yeah, but um, I don't, I don't know what the NBA is thinking, man. I mean, yes, it's great that fans are back in attendance, but do they need to be that close right now, especially in COVID America? Like, you know, players are sweating. They're going to be like, I mean, they're going to be in very close proximity. And I don't know for, from a public health standpoint. I mean, I don't know if that's such a hot idea. I mean, you're not. I mean, you're not testing these people. You're taking them at their word that they are coronavirus free. And I don't know. That's just way too close for me. It's not like the Miami Heat. Remember, uh, I sent you that article that ESPN released that Miami Heat, instead of drug sniffing dogs, they don't have COVID sniffing dogs. <laughs> so, <laughs> my, my uh, rough over here. Like, I, no,
2: I get, I get what you're saying, right? But they have to incentivize it, right? Because if you're not going to pay money, to go to a basketball game to sit in the 300 level and basically just peep the game from a skybox right now. Right. Right. So they're like, okay, we want to make some money. How can we make some money? Okay. Well we can get the club guys in, we can get the sideline guys in, we can get the courtside guys in. They're averaging probably, I want to say, I want to say the average is about a thousand dollars a ticket and they're going to probably spend some money on concessions. So, they're not going to cover what a whole stadium would cover, but I would assume they should be able to bring in somewhere in the area about ten percent of that, and that's I think that's the number they're, they're that's they're thinking about it from a financial standpoint, not from a health standpoint.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I understand where they're coming from. They're the they're the only league that can really take advantage of this, where they're like so close you can touch a player. I mean. If you look at Major League Baseball, they're, like, the second closest. And even then, they put the screen up. So, you can't – I mean, you can't even get as close as you used to be able and to hockey, get.
2: hockey, you're not close no, at all. No, hockey,
0: you're not even close. Football, I mean, there's a moat, no. and then so there's far. a warning track, and then there's the fans. So, yeah. like, I mean, in terms of public health and safety, like, the NFL's got this one, like, on lock, man. It's just – I don't, I get the understand they need to incentivize it. I understand the capitalization of it, but yeah, like they want they want
2: work. they want that fan to come to the game that that person because that person is going to spend a lot of money to get in. She's going to spend a lot of money on drinks. That's what they need. It's not the teenager that's going to sit in the three hundred level. It's not the father of three that's going to sit in the twos. That's the fan that they need to uh even think about letting people in the building and th- and, and and they're saying to themselves okay we're going to start here and maybe halfway through the season we work our way up but it has to start here we have to make money here
0: yeah i get it but at the same time you're opening yourself up to a lot of this nonsense because you don't have the rest of the fans to drown sure. out the idiot in the front row or that racist sure. guy from utah uh that's yeah. banned you know Like, you know, but
2: you also but you would also assume that that person, if not inebriated, will be a little bit more reserved in what they say, because it can be heard now, because when there's a lot of people in there, you're part of a larger group and you may be shouting with all your might, but you're not always heard right now. You're heard. So now I don't know if the casual fan is going to be so provocative, so to speak.
0: Well, not without that liquid courage. You're 100% right, right in that regard. Right. And, you know, when they start letting uh fans back in the ballparks from Major League Baseball, you know, how many, you know, rabbit-eared umps are going to start tossing guys because they can hear everything. Hear game. everything. Like, you fucking suck, Blue. Oh, I suck. You're out. You know? Like, yeah. And who's to, who's to say that the, the refs don't turn around and play and start – dealing with this as well especially if they're getting heckled so well that was
2: the other thing i remember when the nba was in the bubble they had to because then the refs are mic'd up and Mm -hmm. they were catching everything the players are saying and i think they had to edit their mics or they had to get the players to like you know hey guys i'm mic'd up they can hear everything like relax
0: yeah i mean it's definitely a bad look in the, I mean, we, we understand it as sports fans, we expect it, but when sports becomes more of a television show, it's going to kind of break that fourth wall sometimes. And you have to be prepared for it. And, you know, that's definitely one of the things you need to do. So like mind, you got to mind your P's and Q's that's fans, that's players and that's refs so like everybody like everybody has to be on their best behavior because you know you are repre- you're 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 in a microscope right now for lack of a better term it's time for the in where we give a nod to the trending sports stories of the week
2: I'm glad you brought up the point about a television show because I think a television show could be made out of uh, the owners and the players union in Major League Baseball. Their relationship is just beyond reparable. For anyone who's been watching what's going on in the news lately, the players union rejected the 154-game schedule at full pay that the owners uh, put forward in a way to maybe mitigate... The potential risk of the season, among other things. Uh, Some of the things in this uh, agreement that was put forward was the universal DH. Uh, It was also giving Rob Manford the ability to cancel the season and cancel games at his discretion Uh, and an expanded playoff to 14 uh, teams. And the players said, no, 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 no. So, uh, I don't, we might not even have baseball next year if this, this keeps up. So, what do you think about uh, this uh, rift and this beautiful relationship that the Players Union has with Major League Baseball? It could be a sitcom, couldn't it?
0: It could definitely be a sitcom. It could be all in the family. That's for sure. Um, let's just break it down a little bit. It's a rejection of the 154-game schedule, prorated for full pay at 162 games, but where Tony Clark and the Major League Baseball Players Association balked was an increase in the number of double-headers being played. And that's just ridiculous. I get it. You don't want to play two games in a day. You're already playing eight fewer games than you would be, and you're getting paid for those eight games. So it's not even... You know, it's not like it's you're sacrificing anything. Like what you're telling me is that nothing the Major League Baseball owners can do to to pacify you in this situation. Like you are hell bent on your way or a player strike or a lockout. You know, there there's definitely. We're definitely on the, the way to some kind of labor stoppage within the next year. But I mean, I get it. It's definitely something that, you know, that you want desperately. And you would think that Tony Clark would want it, you know, want that universal DH. It guarantees some, you know, more jobs in the league. Um, seven inning doubleheaders, I think, was on there too. Um, That requires more players coming up from the minors. So there's definitely, there's opportunity there for jobs, at least in the short term. But, I mean, it just boils down to the sky is blue, according to the owners. Nope, the sky's purple, according to the players. And, you know, they really need to get somebody in there and kind of mediate this and really get them to hash it out to where, Baseball fans aren't punished again like they were in 1994 because owners and players can't get their shit together.
2: Listen, that had, this had nothing to do with uh, the seventh inning double, the seventh innings, the double headers. Uh, it had to do with that. The owners put this forward and, the, and they were going to be against it no matter what. And it's just so crazy how the players union just does not trust the owners right. at all. And, when you have – it just creates, a, I feel, it creates a real toxic environment because you have one side that's your workforce, and you're trying to put legislation forward that probably at the end you're trying to benefit yourself. But you think of it as like an olive branch, and I'm going to give you this, and you give me that, and the players' union wants no part of it.
0: No, it, it, 100% the players' union doesn't want doesn't want anything to do with it. And it's the, the relationship. So whose side, so who side are you on
2: on this? Like for me, I'm, a, I'm kind of on the side of the owners and saying, hey, listen, like at the end of the day, like you're are I'm not I'm not trying to put a slave mentality on this, but you're you're working for us this is what we're trying to do. Cause this is what we think is best. Okay. Yeah. Rob Manford, maybe he has control over canceling games and, and he has the ability to cancel the season, but you know, these are unprecedented times. Exactly. And you know what, if, if he does cancel the season on you or if he does cancel out your pay, well, guess what? You have so much ammunition now walking into that meeting next year that he's in trouble, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, That's the way you got to look at it is like, you know, you always have the chance to get back at whatever the owners do and whatever the commissioner does once you are establishing a new contract. So I'm not trying to say suck it up and deal with it, but I'm trying to say, like, let let them have their way. okay, and then if they if it turns against you or if they winds up coming back at you, then you have all the power. You have all the leeway the fact that you're going to try to pull your leeway this whole time it just it, it, nobody's making it anywhere with this
0: ultimately i the proposal for the proposal put forth by the owners i feel was a good proposal considering the fact that they're not missing any paychecks they i mean none of that was none of that was even on the table plus you would get the expanded playoffs plus you would get all the benefits of it and you were getting your cake and eating it too so i'm wait I'm they even the they on this one. they even
2: offered they if they had to move to like satellite playing or had to move into a situation where you know they were going to be in a kind of like a bubble area mm-hmm. where they were the, the owners were going to pay for homes for the players Gonna pay for places for them to live during spring training, during the season. Like it was a legit deal. But I guess kind of goes back to what we've been talking about all along and kind of what we've seen recently is that some of these small market teams are just not gonna have the money to go through with this season. And a lot of the moves that they're the owners are trying to make is trying to I believe it's trying to help those teams. And most recently, uh, one of the best third basemans in the league, probably the best third baseman in the league, Nolan Ariendo got traded this week to the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, not only did they have to give up prospects, but the Colorado Rockies had to give St. Louis $51 million on top of that. Uh, so is this, was this a smart move by Colorado? Or was this just a small market team just trying to unload some cash because they're in a Francisco Lindor situation.
0: Well, the, the Rockies are in a financially strapped situation. They definitely are not in a major market. I mean, Denver is a, you know, Denver is a big city. It's a major city, but it's not on the level of like a New York, a Boston, LA, a Houston. But um, yeah, it's, this another acrimonious relationship. Jeff Bridich, the GM, and Nolan Arenado. It's very similar to what we've been seeing in relations between GMs and players in football, where play the management is coming out and making bold claims that you know they're not really intending on backing up. I mean, they wanted to, they extended Nolan Arenado. They gave him all that money. And the intention was, at least put forth by the Rockies, was that they wanted to build around Nolan Arenado. And they have not done so. Uh, they haven't, I mean, the most high profile free agent that they've brought in was Daniel Murphy, who just announced his retirement the other day after two subpar seasons with the Rockies. And Trevor Story is definitely now, you know, he's going to be the focus on this team, and it makes you wonder how long he's going to be on the team because they need to cut costs however they can, and Nolan Arenado's off the books. But let's talk specifics of that deal. The Rockies got lefty Austin Gomer. You have third baseman Mateo Heel, infielder Elahuris Montero, and then two righties <laughs> in the deal, Tony Losey and Jake Summers. So – these are not the top prospects in the Cardinals organization. So you got 10 cents on the dollar and you had to pay the Cardinals. You had to throw in a
2: kicker. You had to throw a kicker and in. And
0: they deferred money further down the road too in the, the restructuring of the contract. So this is, this becomes a very team-friendly contract. Um, I you know, the, the Cardinals really – I mean, if he – historically – you have the Scott Rowland trade. It's very similar in that regard. Disgruntled star wants out. I'll take him," says the Cardinals, and that's what happens. And if Nolan Arenado can perform e- anywhere close to what Scott Rowland did, and you know the course Field factor is there, but if Scott, if he can perform nearly as well as Scott Rowland did as a Cardinal, the Cardinals just got to steal, man. Well, I
2: mean, I'm gonna, I want to look at this from the Rockies perspective. Okay. So uh, there are two opt outs in the deal. So he could opt out of St. Louis. I don't think he will. He's saying he's going to stay there, but let's see what player the Cardinals get. Okay. Because he's a I am not knocking him. I think he's. I think he's a great player. I mean, he's only been in the league I think eight or nine years. He has eight gold gloves. He's twenty nine he's years eight old. For eight. But he is a three twenty hitter at home, and he's only a two sixty four hitter on the road. So how much is he really taking advantage of playing in Colorado? So if the Cardinals get the two sixty four hitter. And it's like, all right, this was not a bad deal. If he winds up being a middle ground, like a three hundred hitter or two ninety hitter, man, they got beat. I mean his his war is I think seventh he's got like one of the best wars out of third baseman. Like he's he's on another level. You know, and this thing was sour two years ago, yep. like two years ago, he was looking to get out and they almost made it to the World Series. I think I think the Dodgers, I think, knocked him out in like a tiebreaker or something like that. Like so, the, you know, they had the last, you know, after that, they became, you know, pretty bad and they even wound up, you know, having a really bad COVID season as well. But I mean, he's going to a division where the I mean, Cardinals is one of the best you know, organizations in baseball. You would say they're the
0: prohibitive favorite for that in that division. Now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And then the other part is, is like, I, you know, when he wanted out two years ago, this had New York Yankee written all over it. It's like how I'm surprised the Yankees didn't get on this, but that's, I, especially the fact that they're paying the kicker. Like (laughs) what were the Yankees worried about? They're giving you, they're giving, they're paying him to play on your team.
0: (laughs) Exactly. But you know, This reminds me a lot of Paul Goldschmidt, too, because as quietly as it's kept, altitude is definitely an issue in Phoenix as well. So balls are flying out of that ballpark, too. And it took Paul Goldschmidt a season to acclimate himself to being full time in St. Louis. So that first year, it wasn't as good as you'd expect. The second year was much better. So be prepared, Cardinals fans, that Nolan Arenado is not going to have a great season. He'll, have, he'll probably have a little bit better than what he had last year considering, in fact, he had a messed up shoulder and he couldn't really get the bat through the zone. So expect maybe a little bit better than what you got last year and then the second year watch him take off. But the one thing that is intriguing about him and why I don't think he's going to totally go in the tank is that eight for eight in gold gloves. Defense travels, yeah. man. Like that—that that has nothing to do with altitude. So that that kid can pick it, he can throw it, and he's definitely going to be—he's definitely going to be a stud for that team. He's got
2: like a Chavez glove, you know. Oh, Eric Chavez was so nasty at nasty. third. He's got an Eric Chavez glove. I just, yeah, I wonder—I wonder if the hitting's going to come around. But you know, like you're saying, we will see what happens. This season with him, one of the people we're looking to see what happens with is also is Mickey Calloway, who is now under Major League Baseball investigation and Los Angeles uh, Angels investigation for what was described as lewd behavior to five women. Um, so how does Major League Baseball clean up their issues they're having with uh, – their coaches and their front office people with members of the
0: opposite sex. I mean, let's run it back. You know, we're, we're not just singling out Mickey Calloway. Uh, apparently this happened in 2018 when he was a Met and there was prior incidents when he was the pitching coach in Cleveland. So it's definitely been something that has followed him throughout his career. And when you take that, take this into account with Mr. Dick pick, like It definitely, you know, it it definitely speaks to a better vetting process that needs to go down. Now. I mean, you can't interview every single reporter that everybody deals with. And, you know, that's the thing about these things. He's, he was the pitching coach, you know, the pitching coach. He's not, I mean, he'll get some interviews. He's not going to get the lion's share. Jared Porter was a low-level analyst. Like, you're not going; those guys aren't getting interview time with people most of the time. So, it's one of those things that you need to vet these guys, uh, whether you have to hire an outside service or you just need to do a better job of going through and combing through people's history and try to address some warning signs. Because if you believe. The article. And I'm sure, I mean, as we know, there's one side, there's the other side, and there's the truth. So, Mickey Calloway, according to the the article, it was like the worst kept secret in baseball. If it was the worst kept secret in baseball, how the fuck would the Mets justify hiring him to be the manager?
2: Well, here's the thing. It's like he's accused of sending shirtless photos, uh, requesting nude pictures, uh, you know, inappropriate behavior. I mean... And he denies all accusations, which is the difference between the Porter situation. So Porter came out and said, this is true. Right. He had to go. And that's the only reason Callaway why is... he has
0: a job right now is because he categorically right. denied
2: Ca- it. Right. He categorically denied it. He's protected by the labor laws in Los Angeles. You know, he, I mean, um, yeah, in Los Angeles, he gets a full investigation. But he, I, I hate to say this, and I, I don't want to say, um, I don't think people, I don't think it's that people didn't know about it. Right. I think some of this stuff has just been accepted behavior and you know most of this stuff is with reporters and you just don't know how cagey he's being with these people right right? it's just like you don't you don't know if this is a fun game where the reporter's playing along you know just to you know get more information and she's being harmless she's not thinking you know anything of it like she's and then he takes it to the next level right right? and it's just like well well, I didn't, that made me feel uncomfortable. Get, uh, and, get drunk with know, me and I'll and, tell you
0: all about the Mets. Right. And he, and he,
2: so, you know, it gets worked up to a level where he never comes down regardless if they tell him to stop or if they tell him don't. And with Mickey, I mean, he, he's a family man. So you would think that at some point he's going to draw the line, right? He's going to say, all right, well, what am I doing here? Uh, especially if I'm the manager of the Mets or from the pitching coach of the 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 angels or if i'm pitching coach in cleveland like you know at some point you draw the line you know unless he unless he he's thinking it's harmless you know and so i'm really interested to see where this goes and the and the other issue with this is it's this isn't just one person you got five women If you had one person, you say, okay, it's, you know, let's get the investigation. Two, it's just like, all right, that's a lot of weird. Three, it's just like, well, wait a minute, what's going on here? And then four, it's like, oh, we got a problem. And five, it's like, okay, right. we got to shut this and down. And so all the
0: like, conspiracy theorists out there who are saying that, oh, it's, you know, just because Trevor Bauer hated Mickey Calloway and he didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to ruin their chances of landing him. And like, that's just ridiculous. That has nothing to do with anything. And one no. person, okay. Maybe it was a misunderstanding. You have five people with different stories. So it's not just the same stories. You cannot claim that it was some kind of coer. It was some kind of, no. you know, consolidated no. or no. coordinated hit job on this guy. You know, no. you can't do that. No.
2: And he's got any, he, and it's a, and it's a his, And you know what? now the question becomes is how many more of these are going to pop up? Right. right. Because this, this was over five years. And I'm sure you're – you know, it, you're putting that precarious situation where now you get why players or coaches might be a little bit more off-putting mm-hmm. or might be a little bit more like getting their space because it could be flipped on them at any minute. Well, something, that you, something you would think was harmless or something that was borderline inappropriate now it's forget about it. You're, <laughs> no, it. it's hundred
0: percent. And do you see? Do you foresee this leading to a, a similar to like a speaking out movement or a Times Up movement? Or is there? Do, do you? Yeah, definitely I do see that. No, it's it's gonna happen.
2: This is Porter was the first, and Callaway's – That it's. It, I I expect to see at least three or four more including a player or two.
0: No, definitely. Yeah. Especially, you know, it's a locker room like, you know, we have both been in locker rooms. We we both know how guys talk in a locker room. You guys you, we know right. how guys behave in locker rooms. I mean, it's not a generational thing, you know, like lo- guys are just going to behave that way cuz it's it's a comfortable area and anytime that's introduced, it's like it's like lighting a stick of dynamite. Like you, it's the, no. it's the potential and bulb in your face.
2: It, right. Right. And, and there are so many people that work within the organization. Like you have PR people, you have masseuse, you have doctors, you have, you have, um, marketing officials. Like there's a lot of people that are walking in that building. There's a lot of people that are walking through that clubhouse and it, 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 you know, it's, it, anything can happen. And, uh, so I, I'm not saying I'm not discrediting the story it's definitely possible i hope it's not i hope it's not true because you know he he was a prominent he was a prominent manager he was a prominent person in major
0: league baseball and he's he's going to have a tough time getting a job now oh, definitely and if these allegations are proven true he needs to go for at least for yeah, a while so he can prove no. himself yep. that he can behave yeah. For,
2: right. Go down. And it's a hard lesson. It's triple A, double A, single A. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you were granted a, an opportunity here and
0: uh, you, you, you crushed it. Speaking of opportunities, uh, the Nets are afforded a major opportunity to be part of the history books. Statistically, the Brooklyn Nets have are on pace, I should say. To be the statistically best offense ever. Simultaneously, they are statistically projected to be the worst defense in the league ever. Like, ever, ever. So, as presently constructed and running the system that they're running, can you have still have confidence that they can make it to the conference final? On talent alone, the roster, you would say yes, but. Can they do it
2: so uh, I was really excited we were going to talk about this because I, I really do think uh, some players have turned the corner right I, I believe Kyrie's playing better defense I think James Harden's become a completely different player. he's still really good but the the, de- the defense is really lacking here and this is why I don't think that they can make it to the conference finals and, the, and this is and this here's why. Number one is I think the East is actually better this year. They actually have eight teams that actually deserve to make the playoffs, counting the Knicks, the Hornets, and the Cavs. They're all good teams that are well-rounded teams, play offense and defense. The old the old saying, offense wins games, defenses defense wins championships. All teams have cold nights. All teams have a situation where they have to be coached and they have to work through whatever issues they're having the the Brooklyn Nets are not are not going to not going to be able to benefit from that and the last reason is is they're an injury away from being the Houston Rockets i truly believe that i think if yeah and that's including Kyrie even if Kyrie went down i think if you have Durant and Harden it changes the dynamic of the team if you lose Durant, forget about it. You're basically back. You're basically the Houston situation again. I, I don't even think Kyrie would even play the rest of the season. Um, so I think those are the reasons why they're going to have a tough time making it to the conference finals and ultimately winning it this year.
0: It's difficult to build chemistry on the fly, especially on defense. Defense requires two things. It requires effort and trust. Um, you have to want to do it. A lot of NBA players don't want to do it and you have to trust that if you switch off on somebody that your teammates going to be there to cover your ass and will they get better? You would think so with the talent that's amassed on this roster, you would think that they could figure something out, but This has Houston Rockets written all over it. And I just keep going back to that game seven when Chris Paul got hurt and then the threes weren't going down. And what happened? They were out. And if you're going to be a a shooting team and if you were just going to kind of bully your way, try and bully your way through, it's not going to work because you're going to put – you're going to come – up against a team that's going to play better defense and when those shots aren't landing how are you going to counterattack that because again you you need to be able to diversify your game and i don't see that happening in brooklyn especially with a rookie head coach who has no coaching experience what i mean in a huddle well let's talk about the huddle like Steve Nash is going to have Durant. He's going to have Harden. He's going to have Kyrie. Like, how are you, as the leader of this team, going to get these guys and rein these guys in when things aren't working? And one, not get them to pack it in. Like, keep them, keep them motivated and hungry. And number two, get them to adapt their game. When it's clear that I mean James Harden likes to play one way, Kevin Durant likes to play another way, and Kyrie Irving's like in the middle. Of, what do you want from me? So I don't know. I, it remains to be seen where we're gonna go because teams are still gonna add players. There, I mean, the trade deadline. There's a trade deadline, so you still have time to you know build your team. So you know the Bucks can still add. The Knicks, the surprising Knicks can still add players, but these teams are, are not fully set in stone. And like we, we've seen how the Miami Heat can just rise out of nowhere. Just, I just don't know if this experiment on the fly is going to be a productive one. I just don't see it.
2: It's, pr- it's productive so far right because they're six and0 against like really good playoff teams and I think they're seven and two against everybody else I think they're only two losses I think came to the Washington yeah. but at floor. the same time I mean <laughs> that's pretty funny. You know,
0: no totally like if the if they're in the playoffs against the wizards watch out but uh, yeah g- good luck but um, that's the thing playoff series are about adjustments you're seeing the same team at least four times at least four times at most seven times. So it's about adjustments and who can do that the best. And at the end of the day, I don't know if this team can or is willing to adjust. And like, it's right. one thing to talk about it in February. It's another one to talk about it in May and June. And like, they need right. to tighten it up. Like the bottom line, your boys need to tighten it up in Brooklyn.
2: Right. And even though they need to tighten it up, they're definitely trending in the right direction because they're winning games. But a team that's not winning games is kind of trending in the wrong direction. The so Dallas Mavericks, uh, they keep losing, despite having one of the most dynamic players in the league, Luka Doncic. And Kristaps Borzingis is back, so... It's just like what what's gonna happen in Dallas? I think they're even I think they might be second or third to last. Uh, is this something they can turn around this year, next year, or are they just wasting Lucas time?
0: So they're thirteenth in the conference and the stats are they're not good. Let's just put it that way. I mean they're averaging 108 points a game. Great. That's twenty third in the league. So it's very thoroughly mediocre by NBA standards rebounds they're 28th in the league in terms of average per game they're not distributing the ball very well at 22 assists per game and you're not playing that great of a defense when you're allowing 110 points per game so i don't know if the mix is right on this team it it looks like the knicks were right to trade chris porzingis and the way they're trending, it's actually beneficial to them because of the draft pick. So a- as a Nick fan, fuck you, Chris Stapps. But, <laughs> I mean, any te- you're never as bad as you look and you're never as great as you look. Somewhere in between, again, there's one story, there's the other story, then there's the truth. This team has not scratched the surface of what they can be yet. And I trust that Rick Carlisle can write the ship uh, he's a veteran coach. He's done this before. He's been there. He's definitely, you know, had great players down there. I mean, Dirk Nowitzki, hello. So right now they're wasting Lucas time. He's playing above and beyond what he needs to. The rest of the team, again, needs to tighten it up. He needs to step it up. But, I mean, he. what I've seen and what I've heard from him is that at least he's trying to be a leader. Like, I, I love the fact that, you know, in the beginning, uh, he wasn't fa- he wasn't fawning over his own numbers. And when they lost, and he played well, it was unacceptable. Like that's the accountability that you should be holding your teammates to as a superstar. What you hold yourself to, and like it's not wasted time because I-, I really think that they can build something around this kid, and he can be a superstar.
2: So right now, they're—they're they're actually uh, one of the best at playing defense. They're top 10 allowing 110 points per game, but they don't score enough. As you alluded to, I'm actually starting to think that Luca Doncic is going to be the next Charles Barkley in that he's going to wind up getting traded and going somewhere else to a contender and become a superstar. My guess with Daryl Morey and Philly would be oh. Philly. Uh, and I don't think I don't think we're that far away from it. And I love Carlisle too, but I think it also comes down to coaching. There's no reason why that their trend they're not scoring enough points. They have people on the team that can score. So you're playing really good defense. You're not scoring enough points. If you're not gonna win with this group, it's not like you got it's not like you got draft picks coming in, it's you you, you, you uh you're gonna be forced to make a move. Uh, he wouldn't do it, but I wouldn't be surprised if Mark Cuban did. I mean, he knows what an asset Luca is, but he also understands the game. Of basketball. Well, wait, well, here's the thing. And, if,
0: I mean, you brought up Mark Cuban. Would he go coaching change before trying to move Donjic?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And he loves Carlisle, which he should. He's, he's great. He's part of the 84 draft. And, you know, he's definitely had some, he, he got him his championship. He knows basketball. He's been around the game forever. But I think it's the start of, I don't want to say a rebuild, but it's almost like you, you have this spectacular player and teams will give up number one draft picks for him first. Like he's, he, he's not Zion. No. Right. And, and, and that's okay. He's not lamello ball. He, he's a very good player. I mean, he touches the ball on almost every play. He gets triple doubles. He passes the ball. That's fantastic. But he needs more. He's not he's not a LeBron James. He's not a Kobe Bryant. You know, even those people needed help.
0: No, true, 100%. And, yeah, the, the roster is constructed. It's just, like, there's a big drop-off from him to the next best player which you, I mean, arguably it's Porzingis, but I mean, you have Richardson, you have a few other guys, you mean you have a bunch of role players on this team. So, you know, the talent, the talent could be better. I mean, just, you know, for the, just for the lack of of a better term, talent could certainly be better on this team. And, you know, unless they're, Unless they're willing to move him now, I mean, what would I mean? Ben Simmons and probably a few more pieces, I would think, or maybe even Ben Simmons for Luka Doncic straight up. I wouldn't make that trade personally if I was Dallas, but you know, I can see where you're coming from with that. I mean, a dynamic player to pair with beat. if you're Daryl Morey, it's super intriguing. But um, I don't know. But we're but but we're not there yet.
2: But we're I mean, right? We're in February. (laughs) Um, there's a long season still ahead. They still got for Jesus. The NBA we got forever. We got like another five, four, three, three or four months. But one season that is coming to an end with March upon us is the college basketball season. It the NCAA tournaments right around the corner. And teams like Duke and Kentucky do not look like they're going to be making the tournament this year. So the question is, is can you have March Madness without Duke, Kentucky, or even possibly Michigan state?
0: That is, I mean, it's surprising, you know, especially like what are those, what do all these schools have in common? They're one and done schools. So it's very interesting to me that, I mean, Duke is in the middle of the pack in the ACC. You're talking sixth in the conference. I mean, one game over 500 with a conference record, one game over 500 total for the year. I mean, North Carolina is not much better, but they definitely have taken care of business outside of the conference. So that's definitely helped them out. Otherwise they'd be in this boat as well. Kentucky. Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky's under five hundred. They're five games under five hundred for the year. So like right, they're five, five and, and 10, ten, right? Like, that's <laughs> that's crazy when you consider that. That's that's overall. In conference, they're at five hundred. So you're looking at four and four in conference. Can I see it where it would happen? Yes. Do I think it will happen? No. Because if they are going to play the conference tournaments, there's a good shot that both Kentucky and Duke could possibly get to the finals at least. And that will definitely make them look a little bit better to the selection committee. Are they going to be a top five? Hell no. Would they be top 10? They may be in the 8-9 game. What? That would be crazy. If Duke was in the 8-9 play-in game, like, that would be fucking nuts to me. Or Kentucky is in that, in that (laughs) 512 playing game. Like that would be insane, but you know what? I think it's actually better for college sports. I think it's better that these teams have to fight from underneath a little bit and have to, you know, have to experience some adversity because like sometimes, sometimes Goliath, you know, sometimes they go down and they need to rebuild themselves. I mean, not to go from college to pro, but like the Yankees, that 2017 Yankee team was like beloved. And then because it was all those young kids, they weren't the superstars. They were growing together. They were having fun and they were overcoming adversity. And then 2018 comes around and they come back to being the Yankees and then fuck you. We hate you again. So for this one year, I'm willing to say that it's good for the NCAA that they need to fight from underneath. And I see them both. I can see them both in the tournament.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it would be, I think it would be more exciting if they didn't make it. I think, like you even said, if they had to play in a playing game, that would be awesome. You know, every every year you could always chalk it up to Duke, Kentucky, Michigan State, but not this year. I mean, you have St. John's to eleven and seven. You got Iona that's five and three, and then like you said, you got Duke at seven and six, Kentucky it's five and ten, Michigan State eight and six. Again, this is the year for the outlier. This is a chance for the NCAA basketball association to do it right. Where football got it wrong. Football had Alabama and you know, the usual, right. This is a chance where you can have the out, the outlier, the rare commodity, the North Carolina state. Like you can get that this year. And I hope that they don't miss the boat.
0: And you know, this is definitely an opportunity for them to really kind of put their stamp on it. And, One thing they need to do is they need to make sure that Baylor is a number one seed. Yes, it's a football school. They are the number two seed in the country, and you can argue that they play a better schedule than Gonzaga. Granted, Gonzaga is going to get the overall number one because at this point, they started as a mid-major. They are now a basketball powerhouse. Let's not kid ourselves. Gonzaga is a powerhouse. They are not the little engine that could anymore. Get that out of your head, boys and girls they are legit so Baylor yes they're a football school Alabama is 9 and0 in the SEC like the what a world we're living in where football schools are at the top of the basketball and basketball schools are somewhere in the middle like I don't understand what's going on dogs and cats are living together embrace it mass, mass hysteria
1: <laughs>
2: let's Talking about talking about mass hysteria. Let's get into this trade, this blockbuster trade that happened in football over the weekend, where the Rams decided to swap former first round picks, Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford heading over to the Rams, while Jared Goff packed up his balls and moved over to Detroit with the with a two future first round picks at third and a third round pick who got the better of this deal. And why did this deal happen?
0: Well, first of all, let's just exhale a little bit because this is the first domino that's going to fall. Let's just be real about that. Matthew Stafford is the first one to, to fall on this. There's a litany of other quarterbacks that we will be talking about throughout this offseason. But, it's a great. Tra- it's actually a great trade for both teams. And hear me out. In Matthew Stafford, you are getting. Granted, he's thirty three years old, and he's coming off a couple of years where he's been in a full body cast. <laughs> but he's motivated. He de- I mean, he's the first time he's actually going to be on a really good team since Jim Caldwell got fired. So you know he's going to have a fire lit under his ass. He's got weapons. He's got a great defense. He doesn't have to do the things that he needed to do in Detroit to win. And let's not let's throw some love Cam Akers' way. He has shown that he can carry the load. So that takes even more off of Matthew Stafford. <laughs> in the Lions, you get a stopgap quarterback in Jared Goff. Yes, yes, boys and girls. Two number one picks going back and forth to each other. And I'm calling Jared Goff a stopgap quarterback. Was Jeff Fisher right about him? Maybe. I don't know. But we're going to see what he can do in this new system. And the most important thing for the Lions are going to be those picks. But from an organizational standpoint, let's think about the long game here. What the hell are Les Sneed and Sean McVay thinking? <laughs> I mean, what – they must really well, yeah. hate Cherokee. I mean, <laughs> like when when? Like I, I don't know. Like you guys are more they are they're more in the future big time and they're taking a big tw- swing. 2020. 2024.
2: 2024. 2024. They get a new
0: one. They haven't had a first round pick oh since twenty sixteen. But I mean it's risky. I mean, if you think that Matthew Stafford's gonna take you over the top, yeah, you make this trade, but you could be out on your ass, both of you guys. So you know, no risk, no reward. I mean, they're just—I
2: mean, they're just careless with money, right? I mean, when you think about it, they drafted Aaron Donald, then they drafted Todd Gurley, gave Todd Gurley a huge bunch of money. Now Todd Gurley's gone. They extended Jared Goff, I think, two years ago or last year. His extension hasn't even kicked in yet, <laughs> and they traded him away. And they added Jalen like,
0: Ramsey. How much?
2: And wait, and wait, and then yeah, they added. And you know what the funny thing is is they asked Jared Goff how did he feel about the trade and how did he feel about leaving the Rams, and he said, you know, we both mutually parted ways. Like what? You both hated each other that much that you went to Detroit and they lost two first round picks and a third rounder just right. to get you out of town. Like how big? Like is he really the difference? Was he? I mean, he got them to a Super Bowl. He can't be no. that bad. He can't be that bad. Uh, I saw this come over, and I really just – I lost my mind. I can't, for the life of me, understand this trade from the Rams' perspective. From Detroit, it's like, yeah, we'll take Jared Goff, who is, what, two or three years removed Mm -hmm. from being in the Super Bowl. Still still a polished player. He still can be coached. He's still got to be matured in the league. We'll take your – First round, your first rounders, because the likelihood is one of these is going to be a top five pick, just like Miami's pick that they have from the Texans, right? We'll take your third rounder and we could decide our future. Like we could literally play golf for the next two years, decide we don't like him, either trade him somewhere else, cut him and draft another quarterback if we wanted to. Like the idea that the Rams don't have a pick for four years, it's just like, how do you build a football team? Who who are, you, who are you building the team around? You're building it around the defense where the majority of them are going to be free agents next year? Like, I don't understand how Sam Crocky, yeah. I think, is the owner there. I don't understand how he doesn't walk in the room and just start stabbing people. Like, what are you doing to my team? Like, you have zero depth now. You have no depth whatsoever, any position, right? So now it comes to the situation where, let's say, when Stafford of gets course. hurt, because he's going to get hurt, who are you putting in at quarterback? You got running back. You got three different running backs there. Nobody knows who's going to be the starter, right? Are the skill players that much of an upgrade in de- in 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 LA than Detroit? Really? Like, is Galladay not as good as Woods? Is Marvin Jones not as good as Cooper Cup? Like? I just don't see how Sean McVay and Les Snead sat in a room and said, you know what the difference in this team is? You know what's going to take us over the top? Matt Stafford. Man, that's a great idea. Get on the phone right now. Call Detroit. Let's see if we can get him. (laughs) It's like, is that really how this went down? Like, is that really? Like, he's the answer? And listen, I guess what they're betting on is that Stafford is the result of being in the NFC North, right? You have to imagine that that's the mindset. You have to imagine that they're saying, well, he was going up against the Packers' defense all these years and Aaron Rodgers, and then he was going up against Minnesota, who, you know, they they had a great defense. That has to be the mindset, right, is that they've been getting kicked in by the Bears and and, and all these other teams. Because last time I checked, Megatron is not going to nope. be playing for the Rams. So And, and you're going to a, a division that is gradually rising right like the Seahawks were a prominent team The the San Francisco 49ers were in the Super Bowl last year last year the Cardinals are on the rise and you're gonna go and get this guy and trade away your future you have basically said that first round picks don't matter we don't need first round picks here we can we can build our team around second third and fourth round picks cheaper players and we can and we can win that way. And I just I don't buy it. I gotta say. And the other part is, this was there was a stat that blew my mind. When being pressured, yeah. right? Jared Goff is twenty fourth out of twenty nine yes. quarterbacks as far as QBR is concerned. Matthew Stafford is so not 19. much of an upgrade. Five better, five better. He's five better. So, uh. And, and, and this is not a knock on Matthew Stafford. I actually loved him in college, and I loved him as a player. But, like, you're betting the future on, on Matthew Stafford. Now, word on the street is is this wasn't the first call they made. Word on the street is this was the second or the third call they made. The first call was to, to Green Bay, was <laughs> can we get Aaron Rodgers? Now, you make this trade for Aaron That's Rodgers, better. and I'm like, all right, all right. I can, I can kind of get with that a little bit, a little bit. The second call was made to Houston, where Houston's all of a sudden said we're not trading Deshaun Watson. So they're like, I don't even know if I would do that for Watson. And then you you call, well, I guess we're gonna have to go with Matthew
0: Stafford here. And just like, and by the way, how, how do you think that makes Stafford feel? You know, you hear that, you read that report that, like, I'm your third choice. Like, I don't think he, he's you know, I don't Detroit? think he cares because he wants out. Because he's
2: out, yeah. He's going from living in Detroit to going to living in L.A. Come on. It's the other way around. It's got that's like, well, what did I do? Like, you hate this man so bad. This man got you to the playoffs almost every year he's been there. He got you to
0: the Super Bowl. Dude, only lost ju- by 10, I think, to Tom Brady. Fucking thumb because he won a playoff game with a broken thumb. He, he, lost,
2: he lost his best yeah. running back last year. Todd Gurley left. Who is the best player on that team? He's and th- you. You're telling me you can't coach him up like that. That conversation had to be had, right? If I'm the owner, I'm walking in. I'm like, okay, guys, let me get, let me try to make sure I understand this. Two years ago, you made me sign this kid to an extension, and now you're telling me that you can't coach him.
0: But <laughs> like, the system what has also changed. Where I mean, if you look at early Sean McVay when he had Gurley and when he had Goff, and he had, and, you know, he was right. It's totally different now than it was then. And all of a sudden, like what, where's the evolution of Sean McVay, the league caught up to you. And now you went slower. Well, listen, I don't know. I don't know because I'm, I, I'm not trying to say
2: cam Akers is Todd Gurley, but I'm pretty sure cam Akers has more rushing yards in the playoffs than Todd Gurley has. Like, I think he's a, a very good running yeah. back. They just drafted him. And they even have the other guy, Darrell Henderson. Like, you have backs. They've shown that Jared Goff is better off of the play action. He's he's an accurate quarterback. I, I just – I don't get it. Like, he's – and now you look at him, right? He was the number one overall pick. And then there's Wentz, who he seems like his time is almost done in Philly. It's just like, what happened to that they draft? vastly – overrated, is what... But were they? But were they? Both of them went to the Super Bowl well, and one wait, of them one got of a ring. No! Went to the Super Bowl no. went got a Super a ring, and got a, got a ring! ring. He, he has a chance! He... But he got a ring! He still play, got a ring! A
0: and thing. the other guy got yeah. there and didn't a, get a ring! Jimmy Garoppolo like, has rings he didn't he, earn. He... But you can't
2: tell me, but... but, but there's a bigger sample size, right, with Wentz yes. and Goff than there is for Jimmy G. Is Jimmy G next? Is he the next guy that's gonna find himself playing in Houston? Is he gonna find himself playing with the Jets? I heard That a seems rumor like that's gonna happen, Peter right? Kirk the Jets, the Jets are gonna Oh Yes, Actually, he does
0: right? Minnesota
2: you, though, but but, right? but wait a minute, but wait a minute. If we're if we're looking at this the way obviously the NFL is looking at this, that's the next guy, right? He's the next guy to get traded because you're going to look around and say, well, I mean, if Stafford, who's never won a playoff game, has never really accomplished much in Detroit is going for two right. two, two first rounders and a third rounder. Well, fuck, I could get a lot for Jimmy yeah, G.
0: No, you could probably it can bump that third he, up to a second. He's he's well o-
2: he's he's well over 500 as a as a starter. And he got to no, a Super Bowl. That's,
0: that's true. You can fetch a little bit more for him than you could for. And
2: and, and now I can understand Houston's perspective. Is like, yo, we can't trade. Houston. We can't trade to Watson. We're gonna need like five first round picks to trade this guy now just to meet market value. <laughs> it's just crazy. I just listen. The trade blew me away. Good for Detroit. I hope they're able to turn it around. And from from what I heard you know people say about swift he's a good running back they have some talent there and there's no pressure for them to win they have all the future they have draft picks they got good players it's the other team in the bet in, in in LA i don't know what they're going to no, do this is super bowl i, I don't know what this you
0: do totally what do bowl, you do super bowl or bust for them and you, they they got to go if it doesn't work they got to go like 100% I don't know. I'm getting hungry over here. Should have cooked up some dinner. And if you're looking for a new cooking show to binge, check out As You Eat It on YouTube, hosted by me, Chef Z. I invite you into my home and show you what and how I cook when I'm off the clock as a chef instructor. You're going to learn fun recipes and creative methods to empower and inspire you in the kitchen and take it to the next level. Cook how you want to cook. Eat how you want to eat. Eat as you eat it. That's As You Eat It, available only on YouTube. AZ, you eat it. Check it out, and let's get cooking.
2: <laughs> but, you know, anyway, if we're just to, you know, get Super Bowl or a bust, you know, let's finally talk about the big game so Sunday. So much going on, we buried the uh, We yeah. got the, yeah, <laughs> well, we did that on purpose, right? Um, so, you know, it's finally here. You know, it's it's Tom Brady versus Pat Mahomes. Um, you know, personally, I just think I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, and Tom Brady historically plays in close games. Um, I actually think this game is going to come down to the Bucks defense against Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. The this guy, this guy has never lost a game by more than one score. He averages. 31 points per game. To beat the Chiefs, the Bucks and Todd Bowles have to devise a way to get up by more than one score and to keep them under 31 points. That is the recipe for victory. So, what's it's you? definitely
0: going to be a close game. Uh, definitely, I mean, Super Bowls in general, of late, they've definitely been closer than... You would think. I mean, I think the last like real blowout was what the Ravens and the Giants, and that was like you know, and even then it wasn't it wasn't a blowout on the scoreboard, but you could tell like the Ravens were so far ahead of the Giants. But what both teams need to do is control the clock. And how do you control the clock? You run the damn ball. Edwards Allaire for Kansas City. For net and Rojo for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Brady you got to keep him upright pressure you know you know as well as I do Brady does not handle pressure well and for Mahomes like Mahomes is going up against a in my opinion unless Antoine Winfield Jr. is playing it's a very suspect secondary in Tampa Bay. I mean, Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean and all these guys. Like, they're just eh. And Patrick Mahomes can certainly exploit eh. them with Tyree eh. Hill. You can get some out some screens out in the flat and just have him take off. Like, you can definitely kind of work that down. And, you know, you can also exploit the linebacker's aggre- aggressiveness and just work Travis Kelsey down the seam all game. for As far as – what the um, what the Buccaneers need to do like Brady just needs to stay upright take the deep shots if you can get him avoid Tyron Matthew he's the only guy in that secondary that scares me so I see Scotty Miller having a big game like they've been grooming him to be the Welker to be the Amendola to be the Edelman go get him kid so this is your moment to shine and you know what I'm going to even go out on a limb. I'm I'm going to say a quarterback is not going to win the MVP of the Super Bowl. As far as who it's going to be, screw it. I'm going to go Scotty Miller. You heard it here first, guys. Scotty Miller is going to be the MVP of the Super Bowl. And let's just say Tampa Bay by a touchdown.
2: Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not betting against Tom. So, I'm going to go with the Bucs. I think they're going to win 31.
0: Oh, he's breaking the streak. They're they're breaking Mahomes' streak. Okay, definitely. Okay, I can see that.
2: Exactly. That's the only way way they're going to win.
0: It's the in route where friends of the show get a special segment with us. Want to get in on the action? Want to be part of the in crowd? Hit us up, FadeRouteMail at gmail.com, or slide in our DMs at FadeRoutePodcast on IG.
2: So now that you have our picks, we wanted to bring on one of our guests today. We have Mike Lenore from the Midwest. He's our Mets insider, food connoisseur, and DraftKings expert. So I'm going to start you off with this, Mike. You know, What do you think of the blockbuster trade between the Lions and the Rams? You lived in the Midwest. Hey guys, you know what Detroit football and, uh, is about a little bit. Good question. Who won the so, trade and
1: why? I think that the Rams are going to end up being the winners of this trade. And the reason really is it comes down to the first draft picks that are moving their way. It's just you're looking at considerable picks for the next few years. And you got... Stafford, who went from being a fan favorite in Detroit to just begging to leave, is going to be an unrestricted free agent in 2013, it looks like, if things go badly. So the Rams have escape plans and picks for for years, and I like it. I like it a lot.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, uh Z and I were talking and we you know, we for the life of us we just couldn't understand this trade. Well, at least for me, I couldn't really understand this trade from a Rams perspective. Z was nice enough to try to,
1: you know, say, "Oh, was a I balanced don't. trade, it's a fair trade," is, but in well, my opinion, I really think that Rams got hosed on this one. Heads. And one of them is uh Brandon Cooks, if you guys Forgot what has 22 million or 21 and a half million on the books from a year earlier. I don't know what the GM and McVay are up to, but they just love that money.
0: We didn't even mention Brandon Cooks in the drunken yeah. sailors. And uh, so thank you for reminding us about you, that. You bro. just got to <laughs> think about
1: it in the one way. The Rams are on a tear and they are ready to win now. They don't care. They're running out of time and money and resources to succeed. This is their plan, and they have a two. It looks like a two-year window to do it, and they're gonna they're gonna succeed or burn and crash. And the Detroit is just going to coast and have a good time rebuilding. That's how I see this thing.
2: Got it, got it. All right, moving on to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, we have the Bucks playing against the Chiefs this weekend. Uh, this which players on question. the Bucks need to play well this. for the Bucs to obvious. win
1: on it's Sunday? Gonna be the, it's got to be Tom Brady and the offense. But you got to look deeper than that. You can't just think that Tom Brady, Mike Evans, playoff Lenny, and the offense are the clear answer. They're not. They're, you have to think, how did the Bucks get? As far as they did, and it's the defense. The defense needs to set up the game for them to succeed. You have them scoring third, the Bucks scored 35 points in playoff turnovers this so far. And Devin White and Levante David need to show up big in blitz packages to cover Kelsey and the middle of the field. They have a lot going on and a lot to do to succeed. and And it really, I think the defense really is going to be the middle linebackers are going to be the ones that need to show up in order for the Bucs to win on Sunday.
2: So the funny thing is, you know, we, we watched a couple of games together this year and and you doubted Fournette. And I told you that this guy, he's going to be the reason Maybe they get blocking, somewhere not running. Is there a chance that he plays big role on Sunday?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he could just be a fullback back there and just do what he's got to do. just going to throw the ball out. over
2: the yard, huh? So, you know, in their history, you know, Brady has only won one Super Bowl by more than one score, and Pat Mahomes has never lost a game by more than eight points. So, which is the most likely to happen this weekend? Is it possible that Brady could win a close game or is it likelihood that the Bucks uh, are able to or win by usual. double digits over this guy just
1: Mahomes keeps and the Chiefs scoring and winning where, wherever he goes goes back to college. I think that's more likely that the 8 points to Mahomes, spotting him 8 points is is the right move over and over and I think it's going to be decided by less than one score. Ultimately, but not in Brady's favor of this game. So, Chiefs win, and uh, we might be talking Dynasty soon.
0: Okay, definitely. I mean, bold prediction, Cotton. Let's see if it's it, all right. if it uh, happens. Yeah, there you go. Works out for so him. That being said, you know, both teams are coming – from an area of the country known for its food. So as a food connoisseur, would you rather attend a Super Bowl party in Kansas City so, or Tampa? Guys, I and don't what know would who's you been to Tampa to, to eat, served? but
1: I'm going KC a million times over. So you you go to Kansas City, which I've been to, you're going to expect artery-clogging amounts of barbecue. And you're going to be guzzling barbecue sauce wherever you go, which is a personal favor mm-hmm. of mine. You got the tomato and the molasses. It's sweet and thick. <laughs> and you got you got the barbecue. Their main barbecue item is burnt ends, which is my personal favorite. And I don't see how that. I mean, anywhere you go in the United States, burnt ends win every time. It's on the menu. I order it. No. Oh, well, there, there you go. You not. got a shameless uh, I,
0: plug for your favorite restaurant. But but yeah, guys, okay. let's not sleep no, on two on. things <laughs> on Tampa. Right.
1: They do have two things going for them. They have a steakhouse <laughs> called Burns. If either of you have heard about it, it's a top ten steakhouse in the U.S. I don't know if you've been there.
0: Yeah, I have yet to. Uh, sure. Yeah. And, I uh, there, sure. I haven't, fe- I haven't, have I haven't been there, but I have a I haven't been there, but I have a feeling we're gonna get a T-shirt from their owners. <laughs> I think it's
1: one of a kind in the United States, and you can go there. And you can just seat yourself for dessert. And they have like a 20-page menu of just dessert items. And it's just insane. And secondly, in Tampa, there is a a brewery called Angry Chair. And this is one of the most premier breweries in the United States for stouts. And uh, something called pastry stouts. Which are beers that are infused with things like uh, cakes and brownies and Rocky Road and German chocolate cake. So, I, I know you can do well oh, in Tampa, sorry. but you're, you are going to win with Kansas City in food and in
0: football. Nice, nice. So, you we already know that Kansas Ooh. City is your pick. I'm uh, going to go. How about
1: a score prediction? I know the spread's three or three and a half, depending on where you're betting and what you're thinking, but I do think that Kansas City has the potential to win by six. And I think it's going to be like a 33 to 20. Let's call it seven, but it could be six. So I, that's where I see it. I see a high-scoring game breaking 50-something points, and I see a defensive play like a turnover at the end of the game um, being a big deal. I'm not going to say Tom Brady's going to throw another pick to end the game. But, but, somebody like Fournette might put the ball another on the Another pick, the
2: he says. Not even one. He says another pick. <laughs> there, he, there he goes. He's going oh after my, my guy again.
0: Well, you know, like we said, like, you have to protect Brady. He does not deal well with pressure. And if it comes down to a one-score game at the end of the game, Spags is going to send pressure. We know this. So we'll get your head on this one, Mike. MLB has proposed a 154 game schedule to the players union, but it's prorated so that they get paid for the full one sixty two and they're they want to start on April twenty eighth instead of April first. I'm still so with the players who are you with and on the this union one, the owners I just don't, or the players.
1: I see the players union for the MOB being the strongest in all the and they got a really bad deal last season. I don't see what's in it for them to agree to mostly anything the M O B throws at them. It's not Let's not blame the players for holding off and any, agreeing to any deal. I think they want to expand the playoffs in this model. So why do they want this to do this so suddenly? Why can't this be brought up or explained earlier than now?
0: And that's a great question. Mm, well, time. thanks for joining us, man. Thank you for being the inaugural member of the in crowd. Thank you, and guys. Thanks for having me on. You and you again, I really love what probably you do after the game.
2: Thanks for tuning in tonight. You can catch our podcast every Wednesday nights on the Anchor, Spotify, or other uh, outlets where you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, stay faded, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.